Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello, hello, hello. So, welcome Hooverers. These are mad old times, aren't they? So listen, um, as much as humanly possible, I need you to know it's my intention to keep this podcast up uh, and I want to talk to people who have a clue uh, what our eating lives are going to be like over the next few months and or who can offer advice or help that's genuinely useful. Uh, But most of the time, I'm going to be looking to talk to people and provide the usual light, cheerful, eating-themed relief from the... um, theme of horror that is most of our lives for a bit for now. Uh, starting today's episode, actually, it's Mother's Day in two days, um, if you're listening to this on the day it goes out. Um, so for a special treat, um, I'm hoovering in this episode with my actual glorious mum, Nikki Suttle. She is my brilliant friend and she is also uh, the person I inherited my obsessive recipe browsing addiction from. 
Um, so in terms of the podcast generally, I am doing things at the moment. We're Well, my brilliant editor, uh, Emma, is also helping me set up ways of remote recording the podcasts in the future um, where and where it's safe and possible, maybe still recording them in person with people if I'm sat very far away from them outdoors. <laughs> We're all um, well, but whatever. We'll, we will see. I'm on the case. The next live show was meant to be at the MacFest in May which has sadly been cancelled this year for obvious reasons. Um, And I wanted to say something as well quickly about food banks. If you use them or you need help getting food to your home, do. Fuck any shame. Ask the universe. Ask the internet. uh, uh, Get to a food bank. uh, And and moreover, if you're able to give to others, help food, do it. Give to food banks. um, Grab things for your neighbours or whatever. I mean, this is obvious. You guys will already be doing this. Um, But remember, the other thing is it will make you feel good too. And I think it's that sort of attitude from everyone that's going to get us through all of this. Uh, If you love the podcast and you have um, extra income, you have guaranteed income over the next few months and you can spare any of it, I am on Patreon. um, Patreon.com forward slash the Hoovering Pod. It's a site where you can swap pennies from big to small for all sorts of exclusive content. And if you join up even now, you'll have access to everything that's ever gone up there over the last two years. Loads of secret special extra stuff. And that way I can afford to still pay guests and keep the podcast up even through the shittest times, hopefully. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, at the very least, I'm going to do my bastard best. Equally, if you want the recipe, uh, for my mum's fit, fit, super pea green soup thing we eat during this episode, all of my patrons will be getting that in April. I give out monthly guest recipes, um, and that goes to even the patrons who've given $2 a month. Right, so let's get into this one. It's a bit of a special one for me, you know. Mum and I are at my house in Catford. We recorded this at the end of January, um... Uh, uh, and we're eating an officially titled Speedy Super Green Soup, um, mainly made out of things from the freezer, actually. So it's, it's it, little did we know it's actually a handy one. Um, Mum had made us this soup and we had it for lunch on a particularly chilly day. God, it was lush. Uh, and that's the last thing you'll hear me saying about the current situation right now. Um, but much like lots and lots and lots of you listening, maybe most of you, I'm currently staring down the barrel right now of not being able to visit or see my mum for a very, very long time. So so suffice to say, I'm going to enjoy listening back to this one uh, even as much, even more probably than you are listening to it for the first time. Whoa. <laughs> Smells good, Mum. Thanks. It's this is a speedy super green soup that you've made from a recipe that you said you found in the Sainsbury's magazine. Do you yeah. have to buy that, or do you pick it up on the way out? I buy it sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God, But normally nice. I steal my recipes from waiting rooms. From waiting rooms? <laughs> magazine. Do you? Oh. <laughs> what the... But are they... So are they good then? Or do you mean... So there's magazines like... I've heard of this one called, like, Delicious Magazine and stuff like that. Oh, that yeah, yeah. Dedicated to recipes. But yeah. actually just sort of waiting room magazines have got good recipes in. Well, if you just... Well, my... One of my favourite recipes, my asparagus roulade, I mm. I tore out of a magazine when I was waiting for a filling in the dentist <laughs> over 20 years ago. Wow. Do you remember what magazine it was? No, it's probably something like Woman's Weekly that doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> I've got them. Um, but I think it's so lovely that I really think of you when, um, whenever I see any magazine recipe or a recipe that's been cut out of something... And then 
you print stick it onto a bigger bit of A4 paper, like a scrapbook. I have and three And then do you keep them in folders? No, I started scrapbooks and they're all falling apart now. But I know exactly where my favourite recipes are. Right. They're just very well yeah, thumbed, like a well-read book. I'm obsessed. Ooh. <laughs> I think I've definitely inherited your... I will, you know, if I, like, want a bit of downtime, I'll go and get a recipe book and look through it. Yeah. Which is quite sad. Well, I've got a thing. I've realised something this morning that I do where um, when I'm hanging out with my son in the very early morning and he's having his breakfast and I haven't... It's so early that I haven't quite got it in me to sort of try and have a conversation with him. Mm. But I'd feel too guilty to look at my phone or to read an actual book. Yeah. I'm fine with reading a recipe book because I think, well, I'll be cooking something from this for you. So it doesn't count as not really paying attention (laughs) to you. (laughs) The problem is it's become such an obsession. It's got a bit out of hand, really. What, your recipe hoarding? Yeah, because I like (laughs) clip into the fridge as well on a fridge clip thing. Yeah. And, um, but then I do something and I think, oh, that's really nice. Mm. Or I've, I've, I've found a recipe and I've torn out of a magazine or something and then I lose it. Yeah. And I want to do it again. I can't find it because I've got so many all over the place. And so now they start to be stuffed into the sort of pages of other recipe books. Oh, that is So I try and make, because I really, I mean, I should just have a a vegetarian one and a vegan one now. Yeah. Because I'm doing a lot more cooking with either either veggie or vegan, depending on which member of the family is visiting. Right, yeah, yeah. Because both my stepsons have, are really strict vegans. Yeah. Shouldn't yeah. they do it forever? We should ask. I should ask yes. them, really. You do? I think that's it. I They're think like probably. Fully Joe later, because he's yeah, coming. He's coming soup. around, yeah. isn't he? Not for you, podcast listener. You won't get to meet Joe yet, but maybe I'll do a yeah, podcast with I him another time. Yeah, I can't cheat with them. No, no, no. I'm not saying cheat no. with them. Oh. <laughs> no, that would be very morally <laughs> dubious, but I just wondered whether, because I did, you know, I sort of, I don't think I ever did it. I don't think I ever fell for the full religion. I said fall for. I didn't mean like it's a con. I meant like people fall in love. Um, I feel like... I was so- very ignorant. I remember um, doing a barbecue and thinking, oh, Joe, I think Joe and Tom, I can't remember. Yeah. And doing halloumi kebabs, mm. thinking that they were vegan. <laughs> so then obviously not. <laughs> pretty stupid. Well, but I think that's the difference, isn't it? Like, I, I was never vegan to the point where... I remember, even when I was really doing it quite properly, whenever I came down to yours... Or Cathy's actually, or anywhere. Ninety percent of the time, you know, it's someone very kindly makes you a cup of tea or coffee, yeah. and it's got milk, milk in it. Mm. And I'm not going to not guzzle it. I'm not going to tip it yeah. out and start again. I mean, it's just a a waste. So actually, I think that was one of the reasons why I never went full vegs. Um, this is called Super Speedy Green Soup, and it's so nice considering how healthy it is. Spinach, oh, it's got spinach in it. It's got a fit little Loads bit of butter of in it. Yeah, two whole bags mm. of that. I didn't use butter. And so yeah. many peas. Mm. It's so peasy. <laughs> but it and, tastes and a it whole smelt. great big huge bunch of mint. Fit. Yeah. But it's Oh, you're supposed to have a dash of lemon juice on it actually. Oh, we didn't do that. No. I don't no. think it needs it. No, I don't. Mmm. Oh, when so well, I made it at home. I made it with the ham stock from Christmas mm. that I'd cooked our gammon in. Oh, fit. And that made it an cider. Yeah. So that was <gasps> nice. Because you've got a bit I on just... your... Careful, because there's a bit on the inside of your palm. Oh, yeah. 
It's very green, isn't it? <laughs> it's very green. I'm glad I spotted it. Yeah, but uh, I thought, you know, um, ham and pea is a really good combination. That is a great combination, yeah. For flexible person. <laughs> <laughs> you made it sound like it's for people who do yoga. <laughs> It probably is, actually. It's probably it's certainly is. perfect for a very cold grey day. Yeah, it is. Oh, but I think yeah, my fear with, colour. with a pea soup, especially like a bought pea and mint soup, mm. is something about the word ham makes you think, yeah, that would be really, like, satisfying. But pea and mint, I always think, it's going to be watery, but this isn't at all. You've just got to put enough veg and not too much stock in, I suppose. Actually, it's also, I think, what drew me to the res- this particular recipe... Yeah. Is that my uncle Paul, mm. who is ninety four and was a rear admiral in the navy, legend, and is is an absolute legend. Sharp yeah. as attack he is. He cooks. Sharp he as makes attack. jewelry. He's a most wonderful man. Yes, he lives in Portsmouth. <laughs> but one of his favourite recipes to do for guests is pea mint soup. Is it? Yeah. I think he used to make it for some. Shelter or this? I don't know. Hey. Yeah, I don't know that for sure. But I remember him t- telling me how he makes it. Lovely, Uncle it's quite Paul. Easy. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've learnt that now. He's a very creative man. Oh, pop it, Rear Admiral. Yeah. Mm. Has he still got a flat in Portsmouth that he lives in where he can look out to the sea? It's not a flat. Oh, is it a palace? Story hats. Oh, Christ! Sorry. In old Portsmouth. If you're listening, Paul, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I forgot how well you've done. I completely <laughs> skipped over how, but how yeah, very well you've you done. You can watch all the ships going by yeah. and stuff. It's amazing. Beautiful. And imagine being in charge of them. Mm. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks so, for history of the pea soup. History of the pea soup. <laughs> um, soup. I do you think of you as being an extreme vegetable fan? Yeah, I always have been. Yeah, I've I'm not being a vegetarian. Yeah, my dad was a veg, almost, would have preferred to eat vegetarian food, but he really didn't like the idea of of killing animals. Really, basically, this is way I back. I didn't know that. Yeah, that, I didn't know cheese, that. That's his no, philosophy. we had loads of cheese, like cheese pudding, and all those sorts of things. I we did have it, meat. It's Nana that wasn't no, meaty. No, no. Oh, and then, wow. of course, when he was diagnosed with diabetes, mm. then they changed. They went totally whole meal and yeah. everything. Mum took the diet really seriously. Right. I mean, what we call now low GI, yeah. basically. And he he actually in his retirement, although he was, was partially sighted and became blind, but he used to make chili when he retired. He made chilies. He made our bread. Yeah, I remember making But yeah, bread. no, he always preferred. Um, he loved cheese. So he wouldn't have been a vegan. No, no, no. <laughs> but um, he wasn't that keen on meat, wasn't bothered by it at all. Really? Yeah, oh, I, I thought didn't that background. I thought that, because I remember, you know, I remember from as well when I talked to. He certainly wouldn't have eaten rare yes. meat or anything like that. Oh, really? No, right. no, no, no. Gosh, yeah. that's so interesting. He was yeah. so cool in some of those like sort of ways of like, I don't mm. know, the things that I suppose for their time were probably quite unmacho levels of kindness and yeah. compassion. Like, you know, yeah, he's a very sweet gentleman. Yeah. And again, you know, for a man of his generation, I mean, he didn't cook when we were children. And mm. my mum did all the cooking, very typical 1950s, 60s housewife, really, until she, until she went back to work. But in his retirement, he did. He loved cooking. And I find that so 
I think, you know, boys who can't cook these days, Yeah, it's not cool at all, is it? No, it's not sexy. I mean, and you've got, I've just mentioned 94-year-old and my dad was 70 when he died, yeah. you know, your granddad, but I mean, he could cook, he could, could had a rain, you know, he could look after himself, it wasn't just... We need to... I think it's I really sad. need to instill it into Rudy Boy that it's, this is a fun thing for yeah, you to cool join in. Yeah, it's a cool thing. He really does like, he likes to sort of chop him with friends. a big knife. Yeah, he's a bit young, though. <laughs> I mean, he's only four. I you know. You're not him to be souffles. I just want him to be... I really... No, not souffles. <laughs> I don't want him to be all swanky pants, but he. I want him to have a bit more in, instinctive sort of interest in it. Yeah. He's interested in making cakes. It depends whether he wants to eat the yeah. afterproduct. Say scrum diddly umptious. No! And then you can be in my podcast. Well, you know the history, family history, mm. because my, you know, I've got two brothers and they, one is an exceptional girl, yeah. Uncle Mike, a chef, really. Um, and Bob, my oldest brother, lives in America, your uncle, he can cook certain things. He, he cooks he like great big America. He lives in America. He, and he, he cooks buys a like, lot of, he loves parsnips. He deep parsnips. fries a whole, he does like a parsnip. He deep fries whole turkeys and in has a massive drum. barbecues of giant things on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, he can cook. Yeah. But I think that was because we were all, as four children, we were all taught how to make custard, a white sauce, yeah, a cheese sauce. Scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs and gravy. Yes. And they were our jobs because we all had to wash up and dry up. And do those. And we had a road house. <gasps> yeah, and we were taught you. to do all those. And actually the white sauce making the roux and everything like that. People are really impressed with that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nana <laughs> taught me when I was yeah, really little Nana to do that. You, yeah. And scrambled eggs. I do yeah, Nana as well. Yeah. Yeah. But having said that, I didn't really start cooking until you were born. Right. Even as a student nurse, and oh, I did, I, I did, yeah. As a student nurse, it was only with a four of us sharing house in London, and only Judy could cook, and she that was mostly chili, chili. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what we ate. I was trying to think what we ate. Did you eat when you were a student? <laughs> I don't know. But in Sheffield, I lived in a house where it it was you had a kitty. Right. And I was a student at Sheffield Uni. Did you I, live with strangers that were yeah. also... Was it nursing? Yeah, sort of strange. No, they weren't... Oh. There was nothing to do with nursing. Oh, okay. So it was before, student, all right. Yeah, this was after my nursing. Oh, okay. When I was um, doing my social science, how to read a newspaper course and right. become a social worker. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I slept with other... Actually, they were all graduates. I shared this house. And yeah. you had a kitty and you had to cook... Um, for everybody, one on one night a week. And was that so? That's when I really started mm. looking. And my mum bought me a a book. I've still got it of casseroles. Oh, I was going to say it <laughs> wasn't that Hamlin's that? book that we had when I remember oh, that Hamlin's book. Yeah, that all was of that everything came or something later. book. Then I um, really I had to learn. I had to learn to cook. Amazing for people, and then. It, and then when you were born, we were quite poor mm. when we first bought our first... And I prided myself and I could do about 10 things with a tin of tuna. Yeah. Because it was cheap. Well, it's <laughs> not anymore, is it? How funny. No, Tuna's yeah, right on yeah, whip-off now. No, it was, um, you think of it, old tuna yeah, pasta bait used tuna, to be a student classic. Tuna or a... pasta bait. This tuna casserole I used to make with tins of mushroom soup. Ghastly. It used I to bet taste it sounds quite nice, nice, actually, Mark. It had pepper in it and lemon juice. And, yeah... Yeah, candles, mushroom like, soup yeah, or something, yeah, creamy. Yeah, 
Oh, mm. amazing. So cooking, and then, of course, your dad's a good cook. And so I, I, I think I've him spoken do... on this podcast before in a way where I feel like, I, I mean, I, not to and say I'm not a cook, and it's always late. <laughs> It was well, always late. You didn't invite people out for dinner. And I, I don't remember him ever following a recipe. I was like his, um, what do you call it? Sous chef. Were you? Yeah, I, I don't remember him letting you much after him. Him. Yeah, a lot of tidying up after him. <laughs> and even that he was a bit fascistic about. He'd be a bit... Washing up definitely had to be just so. Yeah. But then he still never fucking did it. So it was great piles of it all the time. He's not start to finisher. He's not start to... <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. He's not a starter finisher, my old man. Um, but a great cook and very like loved it and flair for it. But my yeah. sort of childhood memory, which could be wrong, you know, because memories often are, and I was a child, was that he did most of the cooking. You were working shifts, yeah, as a I nurse, did, yeah. and he and he did most of the sort of big have people round type meals, like yeah. roasts or even big breakfasts and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't give you much of a look in, but I had this really distinct sort of memory of going, oh, God, when we moved in together, you and me, when I was, yeah. what, 11 yeah. or 12, yeah. of going, oh, my God, Mum, can, you can really cook. It was like you finally okay. had the space to and the yeah. confidence and the freedom and, it, you yeah. know, the kitchen became your domain. Do you remember we used to make those soups? Mm. I often tell that story talking about soup. Yeah. Because I think, all oh, right, I'm going to make a great, usually, usually minestrone. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you're going to say. I used to make a gallon thinking... <laughs> I'll freeze it or it'll last for the week. Yeah, right. But it was a delicious reason to finish Not it. Not with like me, is it, daughter? <laughs> Nothing it's lasted like, as a week. I could have that tiny, full. tiny minestrone pasta yeah. in it. It's I remember getting home from school and being like, well, it's so healthy. I just have a bowl. I just have one bowl now. It's all gone. And then like, you're sort of sat going, oof, oof. It's basically a big, big old bowl of pasta. Isn't oh, it was so funny. Yeah, I enjoy And I think actually that was probably my, my most biggest learning curve there because I was free to experiment without any um judgment criticism. yeah no absolutely. criticism no judgment and yeah. a daughter who is pre-Hattie it was just me who would wolf everything yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> appreciatively <laughs> I remembered I do remember having a, like a sort of teenage thing okay oh god can mum can really cook everything oh, cook is amazing very nice I don't and know. also you gave me that's the first time I felt like I could be like I might try and do I remember yeah, doing did, I remember yeah. doing a coronation trick oh, and we you really and George surprised. did you and we, George did it as a, as a welcome to the cottage oh did we because we just I just separated from your dad yeah and um, yeah you and George did that coronation yeah. trick and I think you asked me for a recipe and you did it all I remember I had apricot in and I was as I was making it thinking this is going to be <laughs> rank and it was lush yeah <laughs> That's, that's an old, that's a real retro recipe, isn't it? Oh, God. And so it's so funny because I think, I think, so I've definitely inherited your sort of recipe addiction. And also I think the way you cook now, like loving recipes, batch cooking, trying lots of different things, wanting to try recipes, mm. I've absolutely 100% inherited. But what I think is different is it sounds like when you were growing up, perhaps there was a lot more routine to yeah. how you ate. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't, I mean, I know lots of families um, that were brought up having the same meal every Monday, same meal every Tuesday, same meal every Wednesday. So it'd be like shepherd's pie Monday, fish on Friday. You and shepherd's pie and they even to that, use up the meat from the yeah, Sunday roast. Yeah, and we had up. one of those mincers yeah. you attach to the table. We all You've loved it as got kids. One, the metal all comes out like worms. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves the Yeah, the, the, yeah, we did. We did, we did do that. 
But um, yes, I suppose it was, yeah, we had three meals a day. In the winter, we had, although we had a school dinner, we always had something hot when we came home. And we always had a hot breakfast before we went to school. Oh, wow. Which was, we had either scrambled egg or we had beans on toast. And we had this thing with a mushroom and white sauce. Oh, with a roux? Yeah. Oh, crikey. What a lot of effort. And quite, yeah, my dad was very insistent that we had to have a hot, hot, hot breakfast. But then we were then walking about two miles and then later cycling to school right. and back. So um, you sort of needed that yeah, you did in the need morning. Something. Yes, yeah, proper. Yeah, but I remember the and porridge, and I remember the worst thing was like having to clean the porridge. Sauce oh <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, I learned to make porridge as well. But I didn't yeah. like porridge that much then, but I love you it. You love now. porridge now. Yeah, mm, good low GI food. Here's a good low GI food. Yeah. Let's talk about. Do you mind talking about your diabetes? Because you've got a oh, no. You, um, it, because actually, I had somebody contact me recently and say. Or could you talk to more people who've got diabetes? Because that's one of those things you don't get a choice. It has to affect how you eat. I have spoken to one guest before, a comedian called Ed Gamble. Um, but we didn't get that deep into it. He said there's a lot of misconception around it. And I think there is a lot of public um, misconception. And the idea that if you've got any type of diabetes, you can't ever have any sugar, which is absolute rubbish. Yes. You've just got to be mindful of where your blood sugars are at, yeah. isn't it? And you've got type one and a half or something? Well, I mean, it's type two, but I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, there has been quite, a, you know, a lot in the press about that. I mean, they're saying that, you know, we're leading, obesity is leading to this sort of diabetes crisis costing the NHS thousands. And actually at the weekend, I read an article where I think a lot of people that do get that sort of diabetes can... Mm. Reverse it. You can reverse it up by to a losing point. weight. Yeah, yeah. Um, hugely, hugely. Yeah. And I know when I've lost weight, my my blood blood sugars drop dramatically. Really? Yeah. My my um really well I've in never a good been way. But um yeah, there's this. I mean, as a diabetic, you get fed up with thinking, well, you must be eat really badly, and yeah. you must be hugely overweight or even really unhealthy in any way yeah. like it's like no nah. and I said but I, it is also genetic yeah because your dad and had it my and... dad had it we think possibly his mother had it his mother died when he was eight oh of unknown causes <gasps> and and I don't wonder whether that was an undiagnosed diabetes dad was undiagnosed for years because so you've got a story that you don't get done. until your 50s is that right or 40s well I wasn't aware that I had right. I went to the doctor in my 40s because mm. I was so tired but also at the same time you're looking heading menopause yeah really really tired I hadn't noticed unusual thirst or anything like that um and he reluctantly said oh all right then I'll give you a blood test I said but I think I might be anemic mm. anyway the next day he phoned me up and said your blood sugar's 24 Oh God! Is that and he was also my had been my dad's doctor and I thought <gasps> you should have thought yeah. of that but Interestingly enough, my two brothers and sister, yeah, I mean, they have all been tested and they're fine. Yeah. I don't know why I've got it. From my generation, but... we're all kind of going, who's going to get it from our generation? Because <laughs> you have to put it on forms for everything if it's in your family. When yeah, it is, but... well, it started off, like you said, there's no point to diet only because I, mean, I did have a healthy diet. Yeah, you've always lots been of so healthy, stuff. yeah. And I don't actually like, yeah. I haven't got a sweet tooth, so I don't yeah. eat a lot of sugar, not a, like a always eating cakes and things like that and so um we went straight on metformin and then after about three or four years I had to go on to insulin which was really hard at the time because mm. I just hated the fact that this 
I wasn't in control. This thing was controlling me. Yeah. But I've got very used to it now. Well, so I but, think... And also I've, had to, I've been able to reduce it right down. Oh, amazing. Because of the loss, losing the weight right, and right, things. Right. So, and I know... I've never been... You've never been in a fat, you've never been in a fat body ever. It's so um, there's, there's a, that's like a you know a myth that you can't you only get type two diabetes if you're in a fat body because you've never been in one. I mean, no. and you've but anyway, but I, there is, but I, I do believe there's a strong genetic link. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. my father's side of the yeah. family, and you know the fact that Hattie, you know, has a high risk because my of sister, PCOS, my yeah, yeah, and so she's going on a low GI diet. It just was a healthy diet anyway. Well, she's so. got um, polycystic ovaries, which also is recommended a low GI diet, isn't it? Yeah, because, because of the high risk. Yeah. And it mucks about with your insulin oh, levels. Oh, I see. It's all to do with insulin as well. Yeah. Well, I want it's yeah. so interesting. I mean, oh, I don't know. My cousin Dan has always been very like, sensitive to sugar and gets massive headaches. Yeah, yeah. Hattie is... He's probably, him and Hattie are probably the prime runners <laughs> out of our generation. <laughs> well, she has, like, you it. know those milk, shake-away milkshakes? She used to go to the cousins and it was a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a place called Shake-Away in Bournemouth yeah, where I mean, you can get, like, an like Oreo, a packet of Oreos sugar. or a Mars bars yeah. whizzed into a milkshake. Well, she'd have one of those Fair. and immediately she'd feel sick, have right. a headache, yeah. water, water, water. Mm. You know, I mean, she had quite a violent reaction Really, I remember that. that. There was a time when we were in Dorchester and she went out off shopping on her own with a friend. Oh, they and they'd eaten, lo- they'd eaten loads of chocolate, yeah. just loads yeah. and loads of chocolate. And we met back up for a coffee in Costa, and Hats just puked yeah. big time. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should save all this for when I talk to Hattie um, <laughs> rather than just getting it all out on our watch. also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The last thing on the diabetes that I think is interesting, so, so I'm all right thinking, because you had a really, you know, such a healthy diet anyway, yeah. or balanced, and I mean, I was brought, did you have to have much there, effort huh? to go... You know, as low GI as you feel like you're supposed to no, go for. I love nah, that food. F- fine. I love lentils, pulses. Yeah. I love all that. Sweet I'm happy. And... I mean, even at home, very subconsciously. Yeah. Me and Gary have. have um, we don't. We go for weeks without buying meat. We do eat a lot of fish. It's meat high GI then, high glycemic index. Or red meat, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. No well, I, it's just not so much. You need protein, obviously. Yeah, so yeah, you have yeah. to be a bit careful. To fish and. 
Yeah, cheese. There's more cutting down more on carbs, maybe a little bit. Not totally, but... I suppose there's that other thing as as well of, like, actually injecting the insulin. I remember Grandad. I remember being quite... Not scared, but you know that thing... I have very lots of memories as a child. I have childhood memories of things like being scared of going into particular adults' rooms. I've got aunts and uncles who, if they were staying, I'd be like... I don't want to go in their room in the morning. <laughs> Something's mysterious about in there now. But also, I feel like that about granddad's insulin um, mm. needles. Those huge, great glass great needles. Great big long glass needles with a big orange cap. Yeah, I've got this really actually... sort of like a roll darling childhood memory yeah. of, of, of seeing them lined up in their fridge. But yeah, now you've working got Working out how much you need. Yeah. And you have to oh. actually stick it in a vial and pull it out. Like, oh, it's so like, much easier nowadays. Yeah, you get what, a pen. Yeah, I have a pen, um, a flexi pen that I use when I eat. Right. So that could be three times a day, having three meals. But yeah. equally on a Sunday, say, for example, I have a brunch and then have an evening, an early evening meal, because we often do that, so yeah. you've got the day free. Yeah, I love. And without an interruption of another meal, not like the old-fashioned sense. Interruption of another meal. <laughs> Ma. Well, you know, the standard breakfast. Yeah, night, yeah. You know, that... You know, my mum does, you know, she's 90, you know, she has to have uh, a all, all what well, that like, means, oh, quite all happy, you have a big Your breakfast. whole life doesn't revolve around when <laughs> your next meal is like mine. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, yeah, so okay, if I only have the two meals a day, yeah. I only take two lots of insulin. Fine. And then you have, I have it before half, bed, right? Half an hour before I eat. Yeah. And then I have a Whopper, a 24-hour one. Yeah. At, at night time. Yeah. Um, and then you don't have to talk about it if you're not up for it, but I, I do talk to literally every single guest about it. And especially in light of, I would say, you are uh, n- naturally, instinctively one of the most, um, you have such an amazing relationship with eating. And a relatively, I would say one of the most, un- un- I've spoke, I speak about you on this podcast quite a lot because... I know very, very few women who have such an uncomplicated and intuitive relationship with eating. To me, it seems like, I mean, you're lucky in the sense that you love healthy food, mm. but you don't never have unhealthy food. No, I'll And you'll try a bit of everything, but it feels like you eat what you want, when you want, and that you're really aware of your hunger and your fullness and actually of what your body's asking you for. And that's incredible. Um... But I want, I, I do want to ask if that's always been the case and that even through your teens and early 20s, I know from photographs there are times where you were very, very skinny. Where, had you ever have patches where you you probably would say that you ate in perhaps a less um, cheerful, rose, rose-tinted, joyful, you know, yeah, totally ordered Yeah, I think it was a period, way. I mean, I started my nurse training in London a week after I was 18, and it was, in those days, you were in at the deep end. I'm yeah. by, that was the September, by Christmas, I was working in the casualty department in Paddington, you know, it was pretty yeah, hefty. full on at 18. Or on my own, and you know, felt like I was on my own on a ward, you know. I was just like yeah. bedbathing, could be a bank manager and all that. But anyway, I did get overexcited about having my first monthly pay packet. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then when we moved out of the nurse's home into to rented accommodation, I had periods when I ran out of money. Oh, shit. And that's when I started working in the pub across the road, which was called the Polly Perkins then. Wow. And it was now by the, run by this lovely Irish couple who used to give us cash right. for working in there and having to live on that cash for a month. Right. Because I had spent all my wages. What on? Probably Topshop in Oxford Street. <laughs> 
Then, I mean, and also, I didn't feel that, I, I've never consciously gone on a prescribed diet. Right. But I did, um, I did have a few months where I, um, I had so little money, I only ate the same thing and I mm. lost loads of weight. I went yeah. right down. It was only my oldest brother who's one of these guys that love skinny blonde women, you know, so triple. So it's quite a big thing for him to say. He said, Nikki, you look awful. Your head looks too big for your body. But I realised oh, that actually God. I had lost too much weight. Yeah. Um, and that so was my only time. I used to go to the canteen and have those two packets of cream crackers and those little bits of cheese and a bit of plastic. That was my lunch. <laughs> and then I'm... Might not. I don't know. I I, I ate very frugally. That's what I just know. But um, but do you not think perhaps? But that that's also a sign that you weren't particularly happy then. I mean, that's not how people eat when they're... I know money. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's not like there's no income. It's not. It's not. There's no shame in it. No. I don't think uh, it can be anxiety. It can be the fact that you just had a. Because when you know I when I was eleven and I didn't eat being for a really bit. thin because I've never been like really thin. Oh God! But that's fucked up. That it's exciting to be really. Thin. I know. It's yeah. But I, there was no pressure on me to do that. I mean, I didn't have a there boyfriend was telling from the me. world. No, not from one person or a parent or no. anything. But from the world, there's pressure on everyone yeah. to be thin. Yeah. There is. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Otherwise, it wouldn't feel exciting. And your thing about I'm not going to be happy until I'm thin, or if I'm thi- when That's I'm thin. That's how most women happy. live their whole lives, assuming they'll be happy one day when they're thin. I think it's so interesting. I think it took me a lot of high... I don't think... It, I'm not saying, you know, I want you to admit that you were anorexic for two months. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> There's only a I think, I think a lot of times like some... we don't realise until years later and it, and how we look at things now, I think because of this podcast and because of what I've done with my eating, you know, I, I don't know how much I've ever spoken to you about it, but I talk about it a lot on the podcast, but I've had a lot of therapy for binge eating disorder which is where you just eat to numb emotions, basically. Mm. And everybody has... Most people have yeah. something to numb their emotions a bit. Booze, fags, drugs, mm. uh, exercise. You know, there are yeah. lots of ways of levelling our emotions out. And my I know thing if, historically has been... I mean, if I do sort of eat badly, and I remember before, possibly it might have been when I... I didn't know I had diabetes, but I remember finishing work and like feeling so hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So massive. I'd eat. I'd come home and eat and eat and a yeah, huge yeah. cheese sandwich or whatever. Yeah. And then, of course, I wouldn't want my dinner in the evening yeah. or a meal. And, and then feeling really bad. Somehow it made me feel bad to have eaten like that. But that's actually, but that, that feels like you're eating intuitively. No, <laughs> you know, but, you got really hungry and we're like, so I'm having something now. We should yeah. we should respond to hunger when we feel it like that. Yeah, it just maybe. means you have to say, well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm full when it came to dinner. Yeah. You know, I'll have a taste. Or but... I might have a day where I graze. Yeah. But that's what I mean. I yeah. think that's really healthy. Yeah, no, that's fine, the grazing yeah. thing, if you'd have a day like that, you know. Also, I mean, so... there's all sorts of situations, hormones, hangovers, all sorts, where it's like, yeah, I just need to eat all day. Mm. Or I need no... loads of carbs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. your body asks you for things yeah. in different yeah, states, yeah. different temperatures, yeah. and all those things. What I meant about when you were eighteen and moved to London—that's a big life trauma. That's a big yeah, change. And, and I think a very responsible job. A lot of responsibility. Yeah, I mean it's huge. You. you know, yeah. when I did that 
when I was 11 and I didn't eat for a bit, or tw tw 11, 12, a bit, I talk about that in my show. I look back at it now and go, I don't think I ever, you know, I was never any sort of committed. And it, for, in my head, I was doing a diet and that was that because I did oh, want to lose weight. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I got really much used to smaller. swim furiously and eat Greek salads. On that holiday where yeah. Yeah, you got really sad. <laughs> I wasn't eating and swim, I swam furiously. I remember when dad broke that whatever that diet was, by getting me an ice cream. and Because I, I was eating, I could see Dad being like, oh, God, oh, God. And then just immediately went and got me another ice cream. It's like, oh, for Christ's sake, it's so all or nothing. Anyway, I, I, I look back at that now. And, you know, that's actually, that's when you and Dad were breaking up. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. but actually you, you get a big change in your life. And yeah. at the time I was like, oh, no, I'm fine with it. It makes sense. And everyone will be happier. But big change can often manifest in a patch of, it's kind of quite cruel to yourself eating for lots of people. Mm. Um, and it's it's interesting that even someone as sound in the mind as you when it comes to just being intuitive with your body and, you know, not attaching shame or whatever to to ways of eating or of eating certain stuff, will, you know, especially when you're a teenager, it's so hard. Mm. Um, okay, so let's talk about a more general thing um, because of how just much... Just going more, back to yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think having a very... Um, stable family life, which included a very stable eating yeah. patterns as children. And then suddenly thrown out of that for the first time. Yeah, but also that all stands you in good stead for the rest of your life. Yeah. I really believe that. And having a really nutritious diet. Mm. Because I think if you've eaten, you know, I've come across a lot of families in the line of work, you know, they'll do things like get take three different takeaways every night. Well, for or three different they'll people. cook three different things with th for the family. I don't you know, know anyone's or got the time. they never actually don't have a kitchen table yeah. to eat round and things. I know it sounds like old fashioned and all no, 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 no. But I do think you know that on so many levels, that's so important to eat together mm. and to talk and have your, like, your day. And... Is it okay if you're not quite talking, but one of you, the adult, is reading a recipe book? While, <laughs> yeah, while the four year old eats. <laughs> I used to read books at the table. I used to sneak them under the table. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that a bit like people phone. having their phones. <laughs> that was your iPad, <laughs> Mum. Your yeah. novel under the table. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than spending a fortune in money and a fortune in your time yeah. cooking something and, then, and it turns out rubbish yeah and then I mean how does your kids won't eat it and actually they're like no I just want something out of the freezer and you're like oh, all right you know, yeah, I try with Rudy to mix it right up. Like yeah. you said the other day, and I sensed a little waft of judgment. You're like, really? When when you <laughs> said, has he had a McDonald's yet? And I was like, uh, yeah. I mean, he yeah. has one every single time we drive to Dorset, <laughs> and every time we drive past the McDonald's, he already goes McDonald's. Yeah, like, but oh. that's that's fine. That's great. That's I have McDonald's sometimes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like every day. <laughs> no, it's not like every day. But it is that thing of... And there are, yeah, I don't know. No, no, no. You do you attach bits, I don't know. It's good food, bad food. I think it just needs to be really no, careful. No, there's a place for that. I think it's just, oh, as mum would yeah. say, the moderation. That's mm. what it is in, in terms of things like that. Yeah. And to say you should never have them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I think going back to your original question about mm. um, the future, I think I don't know. I I'm not well educated enough, particularly in the um, terms of um, the dairy products. Yeah, right. And right, the effect right. the on the environment. And I'm not. I know that it's. I know that it is one of the worst yeah. impacts. But the actual impact on 
you know, dairy farming, not only in our country, but globally. Oh, it's globally. It's, 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 um, I mean, it's such a massive thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I don't I, know. I mean, but I, from I my to, point of view, yeah. I mean, personally, I just selfishly, that trend suits me perfectly because right. it's all the things I love. It's all the things you love anyway. And I've yeah. loved experimenting with... Um, with different ways of cooking. Right. I have found with vegan cooking, you have to use an awful lot of ingredients to make it interesting. When you're doing the really swanky ones out of the meal. Yeah, if you're not doing um, a a chilli or a curry, you have have to be really inventive. A lot of the things in that Nigel Slater's Green Feast uh, that... Did you get me that for Christmas? Yeah. A lot of things in there are accidentally vegan and there's hardly any rest ingredients. Yeah. Yeah, and, true. And he's natural. Yeah. I'm sure it's conscious. And a lot of it's low GI. Yeah. A lot of it's with brown rice or there won't be any, yeah. like, white, you know, beige carbs in it. Oh, mm. God. But eat beige carbs as much as you want. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Mira Soda, her, she does it, um, sort of f- fusion but British-influenced mm. cooking and that's... All vegan and vegetarian, yeah. and that's quite simple. But then every now and again, there'll be one ingredient. I feel like Ottolenghi and Mirasoda have both gone on journeys where their ingredients got slightly less and less pretentious <laughs> as their careers have yeah. gone on, and they realise actually more and more people. Oh, if I see a recipe with something I don't recognise in it, I mean, normally I think, oh, no, that can't be asked. Oh, whereas I go, I'll have a look on Amazon. Yeah, that's why I found well, you. Those you see, I don't have a delivery in Swanage. No, we don't, don't have, have, have anything that delivers except a horrible pizza, but. We don't have anything. I bet I'd love that horrible pizza. I remember your cousin coming. George was saying, is there anywhere you can get some food in? Yeah, no wonder you're like, so healthy, actually. If you've got <laughs> any bloody takeaways, you actually have to go out in you your You have car. to go in your car to yeah. go and get it. But you have got a good Indian takeaway. We've got a now. great one now, yeah. What's it called again? Oh, Nihal Spice. Nihal Spice. Let's give it and a little shout out. And you can actually out. see them cooking there and they've got all the spices out. It's just a little, little shop. Because there's been a, an Indian restaurant in... In um, oh yeah, in in Swanage for as long as yeah. I've ever known the Bengal yeah. something. Yeah, um, stop using it. Yeah, it's not great. It was so hit and miss. Always so hit and miss. Mm. And we allowed to say that. Yeah, Mum, it's a podcast. We can say what we like. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think they're resting on their laurels. It's not a bit. terrible. I want to never go there. But cooking now curries and that you realise actually they weren't that great. I mean, yeah, you yeah. do expect restaurant food to be better than what you can cook I, at home. The Bengal one because it's, it's right by my mate Hannah's house. We got a takeaway from there um, oh, within the last six months, and it was absolutely yummy. It's yeah. still really yummy. It's not dog shit. Don't not no, go no. there. This isn't a bad TripAdvisor no. review. Review. It's just I'm happy for Swanage that there's an exceptional one. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And because they're really lovely people. Oh, so really and it's sort of nestled next to two pubs that you can go and wait in while yeah. you've ordered, which is fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth taking the just car for, out. Just to sort of, the thing about the dairy products is, yeah. it's like, it's about carbon and the and the planet more than yes. the animals. I mean, yes. there is the, the, the philosophical animal loving aspect of it that Grandad would have been sad about yeah. is that on mass now, because the amount we're producing, there's lots and lots of, you know, the, the cows that are just getting milked, that just have their calves, they're being, they're made pregnant, they get a cow pregnant just to get it milk in it. Yeah. Calves, boom, gone, dead. And then that cow just gets milked for it. I and mean, then that is not happy. No. You would never do that to a human, but, you know, that's all, that's the animally bit of it. And I'm sure there's treatment of animals who are, mm. you know, it's all machine now. Mm. It's not sort of, you know, there's no milkmaid coming along on a little stool, no. giving his udders a gentle squeeze. No. Um, it's all very factory-y. Yeah. And then perhaps, you know, there's cruelty and how they're fed and stuff. But it, it, 
for me, predominantly, it's the environmental, and I say this to someone still, I'm eating, you know, bits and bobs of dairy. I'm just trying mm. to be low-ish dairy. Um, but especially, I yeah, try I to avoid cow's dairy stuff most because the amount of methane they produce, but it's moreover, it's to feed them. So they mm. exist to give us dairy products, not for meat, mm. the majority of cows, and to feed them lots and lots and lots of um, carbon-producing forest and rainforest has been yeah. re- destroyed to grow soy. So people people think, oh, well, soy is what vegans eat, so it's vegans causing the problem. No, they're growing soy to feed livestock to make dairy. Right. So that's the environmental yeah. impact. And so on a CO2 level, The Guardian had a thing recently that had it as cows is the worst by miles and then dairy like and then uh, just in terms of what animal production causes the most sort of damage yeah. to the planet um and so cows and then it was quite a big leap um but basically the point of it was dairy is worse for the planet than fish or even chicken right um but if you're looking at it in terms of animal cruelty how empty the sea is <laughs> those things get more complicated but just right. in terms of co2 yeah, production yeah. it's just you know i mean um, from an aesthetic point of view, you know, cheese, if you take cheese, Yeah. there's so many beautiful cheeses. It's like mm. an art form, isn't it? Oh, I don't think you we need to get rid of all cheese. No, don't ever get rid of all like, cheese. But I think we'll have to get to the point where we have cheese like, like we have meat, like a treat. Yeah. It's not Well, that. I do anyway, because I'm the only one that eats it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I buy it in when we've got guests, really. I mean, so, I say that, um, but when I got in last night late from work, I did. I had a mouthful of that Santa Girl, Mum, so oh. I'm no um, angel. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, can I ask you some sh- like quick fire ones? Okay. Um, a five second rule, yes or no? Don't even know what it is from your face. No. Mum, you're so posh. A five second rule is where if you drop posh. Some, you're classy. You're so classy. <laughs> Five second rules where you drop something on the floor and you go one, two, three, four, five. It's within the five seconds you can still eat it even off the floor. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, How do you feel about eating stuff you've dropped is the question. I, I don't mind as long as I know that it's, you know, obviously where you've dropped it isn't yeah. sort of like... Yeah. Filthy. But, <laughs> but, yeah. No, I, I'm not that fussy. Filthy. Gary is. Gary is the same as step. Oh, he would, yeah, if I, if, oh, no. Oh, no, really? No, no, no. Is he? Yeah, no. That's can't funny. Eat that. If it's been on the floor, and oh. Hattie would be as well. In fact, I did, I did drop something on the floor. And she wouldn't eat it. Uh, I think it was, she, what, she, yeah, something dropped off her table. Hattie's got some funny yeah. food sensibility mm, things, no, actually. Yeah, I remember, Hattie, I remember um, eating a cold away, a bit of takeaway go. curry out of the fridge one morning for breakfast, and she was like, uh, uh, she couldn't bear it. She's like, I can't no. watch. No. She's too classy. She's classy like you. It's like the autistic. I'm on a spectrum of classiness. <laughs> we all are. Um, <laughs> um, uh, if there was no other option, would you eat a person? No. No, that's that. That's quite quick. If you were starving and there was a person and someone had cooked them really nicely. Sorry? Someone had cooked a bit of human being really nicely and you were starving. No. There's nothing else. Wouldn't do it. I don't think so. My heart God, I, think really have, I think you would have the mindset not to, actually. <laughs> Probably. Wow. I don't know. Okay. I just know if they'd made it smell like a Greg oh. sausage roll, I'd eat it. You Possibly. wouldn't. You wouldn't. 
Oh, but also I do have quite a strong git gipping, like mm. the thought of things like that. Makes me go, yeah, I remember that. Was it the the plane crash in the Andes? Oh yeah, when they yeah, did? yeah. Yeah. Not people. I remember reading a book about that. that yeah, to survive. They um, were already dead. They hadn't killed them to eat. Them. No, like a cannibal. Oh God! I don't. I don't every time I bring it up, I struggle. A horrible, morbid fascination with cannibals as a child. You did. Yeah. I did you? Yeah. I just how Mom. can it do that? You know, you history lessons yeah. in junior school and stuff. What, and you got really into it and like well, looked up more stuff about cannibals? Well, we didn't have the internet then. <laughs> oh, I know, but you read all the books. No, about but cannibals. I just been. To, I don't think it's a horrified fascination was how they actually did that. <laughs> like that film with a. Oh God, what means? Is it called Hannibal? Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, scary. I've got a feeling I was allowed to watch that a bit too young, but that would have been Dad's doing. Yeah, baby dad. <laughs> yeah, baby dad. That's terrifying. Oh. But a great, I mean, a great, great cast, wasn't it? Yeah. A great story, that first one. Yeah. Were they based on books? Oh. Yes. Mm. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Oh, I Jodie feel... Foster. Oh, oh she yeah. Was incredible, yeah. wasn't she? She's brilliant. Did you eat sandwich. differently when you were pregnant with either me or Hattie? Oh. Steak and kidney pies with you. Nice, okay. Yeah, and funnily enough, your nana, my mum, mm. she used to, when she was pregnant with one of us, yeah. she had to sing about, she we had a dog, and she'd open the dog food, and she loved the smell of the dog food, she never ate it. she just sniffed the dog food. Yeah. Oh. So it's just a bit like steak and pie. Probably is. Do yeah. Do you remember me being um? I don't. Anything I particularly mm. ate with Hattie? I didn't. Don't think I did really. I don't actually. I mean, you didn't. Didn't really have any foods with her. No, not that I remember. I was sixteen. Probably wasn't paying much attention to what you ate. <laughs> Too busy in a vortex <laughs> of self-absorption. Um, no. Oh, okay. no, no, nothing particular, isn't it? I went, um, I've really, I've been vegetarian. I really wanted meat when I was pregnant with Ruby. Mm. Same thing. So maybe we have genetically um, predisposed to want some meat, meat. meat type, uh, <laughs> protein, iron, protein, iron, gravy, iron. iron. It must actually. be iron, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mmm, delicious. A tropical storm arrives. It's like a normal storm, but the rain's made out of pineapples, mangoes and coconuts. It's absolute carnage. Every time a raindrop hits someone, they get smashed in the head. People are injured and dying all over the place. The storm, though, has agreed to stop it and go back to having never existed. But only if you, and really it does have to be you, Mum, um, do a 410-mile Nordic walk <laughs> <laughs> with no brakes. It sounds impossible, but you do it! Yay. You're here! Your prize is the adulation of all humanity for all time for saving everybody from the from the um, really fruity tropical storm. Um, uh, um, but your immediate prize in the moment, and you're so hungry from all that Nordic walking, is the feast of your dreams. I don't want anything to be healthy, ethical, possible. It, you can say whatever you like. It doesn't have to be gettable. It doesn't have to exist. Um, this is your dream scenario. Um, I'd love to know what you're eating, what you're drinking, and if there's a who with and where, then who with and where. And you don't have to say me. Okay, I probably would go for um, 
a restaurant we went to in Santa Barbara actually with you mm. and your dad. Uh, because I, what I haven't mentioned actually is I didn't eat fish for years. Oh yeah, you hated fish because yeah, you got a bone once. Yeah, we used to go swimming every Wednesday as children and we used to have fish and chips after, afterwards. Yeah. And I got a bad one. It was actually rotten. <gasps> and after that, I didn't eat fish until I was in probably my... I was probably about 30. Yeah. Anyway, in Santa Barbara, we went to this place and I'd love to go back there. And they had a, like an island in the middle where they cooked the fish, fresh, really fresh mm. scallops, huge Ooh. scallops. And I tried them and they were divine. Gorgeous. I'd go back there. Yeah. I'd go with Gary mm. and, and you and Hattie <laughs> and whoever, a few close friends. And um, I would have some really dry, dry, I see cold white wine. Mm. Got a favourite? Mm. I said no. I do like a muscadet actually. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, we we drink. I don't dry, normally drink white muscadet. wine, but I do with fish. Yeah. And in France, it's just become a tradition with mussels mm. and things like that. And it's not so easy to buy here, but it's yeah. cheap as chips in France. Mm. But a Chablis, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Maybe I, I would probably, if I was I was allowed to have anything I wanted, I prob- probably would use the services of a wine waiter. Yeah, get a sommelier. Normally, I they really don't like them. I, they just make me feel really ignorant and I don't care and it's too expensive. Well, Steph and I, for the first so, time in my life, um, we had a tasting menu at this vegetarian yeah. restaurant with Vanilla Black and, and we got the wine pairing menu yeah. and it is really exciting. Yeah. So probably some really fantastic fresh fish. Yes. But scallops are my favourite. Scallops then. Don't care about pudding? Not really. No. Cheese board? Um, Yeah, maybe. I might have pudding, I suppose. What I like to do is have a bit of somebody else's pudding. Yeah. um, Just a spoonful, because that's all I'm allowed, really. Yeah. I can't actually eating a whole pudding. I probably couldn't do it. I I think I've I've disciplined myself into not not doing it. But it's really hard because... um, Gary and Hattie are so... Sweet tooths. They're so no, They're so not into sharing. Oh, shit. And it so comes tight. out every time. <laughs> the Gavin and Stacey episodes. Oh, really? What's With that one? Curry. Oh, I can't do it. You'll have to yeah. get Hattie to do it. Okay. It's where she's... I think... So oh, because, when they order a takeaway yeah. and Ness is like, nobody's having any of mine or something. Yeah, something like yeah. that, but... You know. Oh, and that's what they say when it they gets were, to pudding time. Yeah, they won't they, let you have a bite. No, I think generally, did you not share? I <laughs> <laughs> oh just a bit, bit. I mean, that's um, very general, but yeah, yeah, Gary will let me sometimes have. <laughs> and Good. he's got got a very sweet. He often has a sorbet. He loves a sorbet okay. or something like that. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. Oh, thanks so but much. But actually, my favourite thing this. to do would finish a meal if it's going to be a long meal mm. or a bit. Oh, I'm not very good at eating like three meals on the three courses yeah, on the yeah. trot. I feel like no, I you do always do, want a big break. I, I want a big break <clears throat> and then I'll come back. What I'd have is a really lovely cheese and biscuits. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my treat. Whoa, yeah. perfect. Yeah. And um, thanks very much for doing this, Mum. It's been really it's a good pleasure. Fun. It's been fun. Yay! <laughs> That is my glorious, cool, lovely mum. Thanks, mum, for doing that. I love you right to the edge of space and back.
Wah, these are weird times. I'm allowed to be madly soppy. Thank you. Relaxingly, mum didn't have anything to plug, uh, but you can support uh, the uh, podcast on Patreon uh, and more importantly, support your local food banks in any way that you can too. Let's keep people eating. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, um, follow the podcast on social media at The Hoovering Pod. I am on social media at Jessica Fosterkew and huge thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by the brilliant Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week. Happy Hoovering. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.